What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. This week's episode, Rakich sets up a monster September. We'll be recapping the main event at UFC Vegas 7, Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakich. We will be talking about the MMA news, Jorge versus Diaz 2. We'll be talking about Usman versus Burns, and could Brock Lesnar possibly come back to mixed martial arts? And we'll end the show, as always, previewing the upcoming event this week. It is Alistair Overeem versus Augusto Sakai at UFC Vegas 8. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host. She is back, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Yeah, man, I'm back. Happy to be back. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back. It was a it was a long month, and uh, like I said, like I said to you when we first jumped on the phone, you know, m- not much has changed as far as the the bit the big world goes. But uh, but oh well, at least we still have UFC. We do. Um, I want to take this moment. Uh, special thank you, Anthony Walker, James Lynch, Drake Riggs, for hopping on in Natalie's absence. Um, amazing guys, amazing media members, amazing people, and just really want to shout it out and say I appreciate all of you guys over the last month. But Natalie, it is nice to have you back. Uh, there were a bunch of fight cards. There was a bunch of fight news. I want to talk to you about what's important. How much do you like our new cover art from Fight Posium? Oh, dude, that is so badass. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so, so, so cool. Thank you for getting that all set up. And uh, and I, I can't believe it. Um, I've never thought I'd be, a, I'd be, you know, rendered in comic book form. And thanks <laughs> to you and Fight, Fight Posium, I have been. And uh, I, think, uh, I think you're looking pretty, pretty dapper and buff. <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty cool, and uh, dude, just just pure pure happiness. That's uh, that's something special for sure. Well, I'm glad you like it. Yes, I thank him for giving me the muscles I'll never have, which is a great compliment to give to anybody, right? So, you know, yeah. and he, you know, I was, I'll just say this: I don't have much of a much of a chin, frankly. Just <laughs> wasn't born with a chin, but he gave me a really nice chin, so I was like, all right, thank you. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. I showed my husband, I was like, look, this is how I would look if I had a chin. <laughs> I, I think that he got your look down for, you know, with the glasses and everything. If yeah, I'm man, he so. did a pretty good job. I was blown away. He nailed it. So that's like, my face. <laughs> yeah. Rob at Piposium. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Um, Natalie, we got a lot of news. Let's get right into it. UFC Vegas 7 on Saturday. Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakich. In terms of the fight itself, not too much. It looked like Rockets just, you know, the leg kicks, heavy, right on the money. He just hit the right spot of the knee, the outside of the knee, the leg. And really, it just seemed like from there, Anthony Smith was really never in the fight. He did, I, I did hear his interview. He said that he felt like he was two weight classes um, separated from Alexander uh rocket look uh, there are a few times you feel like if he just really starts to let him go he might get anthony out of there you know what you know that you don't want to expend yourself in a three-round fight because then suddenly that could be you know anthony smith is fresh he hasn't burned too much energy i understood that a little bit 
I do feel like there are a few times it's like, hey, you know, is he playing it a little safe? He did what he had to do to win. He got himself back in the win column. He picked up the biggest win of his career. Is what it is. But I think to me, the biggest thing is that was more straightforward of a fight than I think anybody imagined when they booked it. What about you? Yeah, man, I was I was impressed and surprised. Impressed by Rockage's performance and surprised that Anthony Smith was not able to to do anything. But as you as you point out in his post fight interviews, it was it was clearly the size. I would say number one, it was the size differential, right? Rockage and those those brutal leg kicks. And when you look at his quads, even um, I think Paul Felder mentioned it at the end of the of the broadcast. Those are like specimen like you know greek statue worthy quads and he was just ripping on anthony smith's legs that the first um sequence that sent smith to the ground where he's like a double leg kick he kicked him once uh smith lost his balance and then he kicked him away uh, again on the way down almost like a sweep man that was hardcore and he you could see his physique so so cut and 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 you know that he could have finished him on the feet anytime if he wanted to but he said he wanted to, to display his grappling, show that he's well-rounded, and he certainly did. I was very surprised that Smith didn't have an answer for him. But again, it's a size differential. I think that that's that's got to be primarily what it was. Just couldn't. He was doing all the right things, just couldn't, just literally couldn't lift the the, the big weight off of him, and that's a bummer because now Smith is wondering what does he do next. It's too much to cut to 185 for him. He'd have to change his whole lifestyle, right? That's what he says. But the guys here are so much bigger than him. It, it reminds me a little bit of when Cerrone took took a, a drive up to welterweight and had a little bit of success, but then ultimately realized, like, the guys are too big for me and there's no middle division, you know, in between, so I'm just going to have to go back to where I came from. So we'll see where Smith lands, but that was, a, that was, a, that was a, almost an embarrassing loss, the way he was manhandled. Yeah, to me, I think that... Um... It becomes a bit of a thing. I, I don't know if it's just uh, maybe a bit of style. I think that Anthony, I think he kind of has continued to do the things that made him good at middleweight, and that worked. However, I'd almost argue that if you're Anthony Smith, when I've, uh, you know, I look back at those fights with Gustafsson and Shogun and all that, I feel like, you know, Anthony, you are a little bit uh, lighter. You maybe are a little bit smaller, and you know, maybe being a high volume, you know, a bit of a faster guy, maybe that has a bigger difference in the lighter weight classes than it does when you're fighting at 205. But I'd almost argue like Anthony Smith just, he changes up the way he fights. Maybe that's the difference in, you know, some of these where maybe he's trying to just pick his spots and, you know, just outwork a few people. I think that uh, just looking back at what he can do stylistically to make himself a little bit of a different fighter, that could be a factor. Uh, I do look at it and it's like, hey, you know, if you say you're struggling to make 185, I get it. And, you know, it's easy to say it's like, well, just you're going to have to, you want to be the best and, you know, you can be, you're going to have to make that lifestyle change. I never advocate for cutting extreme weight. If you know you can perform well, which he has at light heavyweight, then I would be more in favor of you going back with your coaches, trying to get back to the ground floor and see what we can build on, as opposed to, you know, let's talk to the PI and let's try to cut all this weight after being 
Let's be honest, he's probably worked at being a 205er and thought this was going to be permanent the rest of his career. So, yeah, I don't know about that. There's not an easy solution that doesn't involve a lot of work, but Anthony Smith is a smart guy. He's still a dangerous guy. I think that he still poses a lot of problems. I think, though, if we're going to talk about another shot, another crack at that top five at light heavyweight, it's just going to be, you know, reinvention as a fighter. And I know that's easy for me to say here on my podcast and not getting punched every day in the gym. <laughs> but I also feel like, hey, you know, if we're not cutting to 205 and you need to change something up, that's probably what we got to look at if you're Anthony Smith. Um, yeah. I like what you're saying there about, about you know, if you're going to stick to 205, you got to figure out how to make it work for you. Um, and it makes me think of Dominic Cruz, like when he used to fight at 155 back in the day. He said, you know, that's why he used to move. That's where he developed that style, right? Because he was fighting bigger guys. He needed to stay stay moving, moving target. So maybe he needs to, you know, Smith needs to work on, on just staying light on his feet, lighter on his feet to use his undersize as an advantage because – they're not getting any smaller at 205, that's for sure. Uh, moving on to uh, Rakic, who is next? I'll, I'll say this. If I'm Alexander, I want to see if I can book a fight with the loser of Blahovic and Reyes. I do think anybody else is a step back or is going to be unavailable. Uh, whoever wins between Reyes and Blahovic, they're most likely going to fight the winner of Santos and Tashira. I feel like it's very hard to not make that fight considering the run both guys would be on. Um, so if I'm Alexander, hey, you want somebody from one of those fights, preferably the guy who just lost his shot at the title. The loser of Santos and Tashira is a possibility too, but I feel like that would still also feel like, you know, upswing versus downswing. Doesn't make sense. But if you fight a guy coming off the title fight, that guy is also looking to rebuild himself and stay in the mix. If you're Alexander, that gets you firmly in the conversation. I feel like that fight just, just should be what he's looking for. If that's not on the table, I have heard uh, Jiri Prochaska. I know I'm messing it up. He just beat Volkanus Demir. He's coming off a great, great run in Ryzen before coming to the UFC. Only one UFC fight, and I think a lot of people are hyped about him, but I'll say it kind of again. It's like, hey, you know, you just... You know, a lot of people thought he would he beat Vulcan in December. He just throttled Anthony Smith. I feel like Jiri would be a step back. So I personally, you know, I'm going to be all chips in on the loser of Reyes and Blahovich. That's that's interesting. If I'm Rakic, I think okay. I'm looking at the UFC rankings. He just moved up three spots from eight to five. Basically, swapped with Smith. So Smith goes down to eight. Rakic is now up at five. I think that he he should just take whoever they give him. If they give him Jiri, take it. If they give him the winner of Tashiro Santos, I think that makes more sense. Um, and I would just say don't be don't don't be calling out. Don't be picky. Just take whichever fight they give you. Reyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blahovitz, I don't know. I, I think that's that's too high. I think he needs one more step before he gets to to the loser of that fight. Um, okay. Because whoever wins between Santos and and Teixeira should be the person that gets the, you know, the the next shot at the belt. Um. Yeah, that's where I stand. 
I, I think it's okay for him to sort of circle his his ranking. So so go down one, uh, you know, fight a number six or fight a number four. Um, but you know, there's time. He's young. There's time. All right. No, I get you. Uh, I I do. I would say this. It's like if he gets booked. Let Let's say hypothetically, Blahovich wins and he's fighting Dominic Reyes in December, January. I will admit to you that's going to feel like a giant jump after, you know, even compared to beating Anthony Smith, who, you know, very recently fought for the title and came off a win, you know. So uh, I definitely get that for sure. Um, But yeah, very solid night of fights. It was just another one of those nights where stuff happened. The Jan Kutalaba fight after, I don't know, I think they said three attempts to rebook it. It fell through. Stuff like that was going on. It was just one of those fight weeks, Natalie. What can I say? Yeah, I kept seeing the uh, ESPN banner on my phone saying, like, so-and-so's out of the fight, and so-and-so's out of the Okay, jeez. Okay, well, I mean, like, really, it was just... <sighs> it's just tough when you see that happening down the stretch, man. It's just yeah. tough. Yeah, I think, like, okay... I mean, nothing really... beats the a few weeks ago with the... Um, Jojo Calderwood card and like so many like five fights fell out in 24 hours 48 hours I was like dude like no one wants to drink the water at the apex right now it feels like that kind of situation but yeah I mean it was that's how it all played out this time that's 2020 geez yep that's a good way to put it um moving on uh MMA news this one took a lot of people by surprise I think with the timing and that's that Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz, the rematch. They haven't said anything about BMF belts being on the line, but you know that essentially that's how they're going to promote it, um, is being targeted for December, January. So this one, Brett Okamoto via Dana White. So I think that says everything, not a rumor. Yeah. Uh, Diaz has not fought since the BMF fight in November. Masvidal obviously fought in July against Kamaru on short notice for the belt. Um, December 12th is one date in play. The only thing about it is that you already have Usman and Burns, which we'll talk about, and Amanda Nunez, Megan Anderson that night. Can do you see, you know, no belt, Jorge and Nate agreeing to be the co-main event or lower on a card like that? I don't I know. Could see, yeah, I could see Masvidal maybe agreeing, but there's no way Nate, Di- Nate Diaz agrees to it. I'll say this. Um, I didn't even see Masvidal agreeing. Yeah, probably. And it's... they shouldn't. It was like when, when they were trying to get Connor to fight, I can't remember who, um, as the co-main, and he was like, I'm not a co-main. <laughs> I'm Conor McGregor. Uh, I'll yeah. say this. The only fighter right now I could see uh, Jorge agreeing to co-main to is John Jones. And that's coming off a loss. I think Jorge coming off a loss says, okay, I could see us being a doubleheader because they're both um, first-round management guys, and John Jones okay. is John Jones. I feel like there's enough mutual respect. Anybody else, Connor, uh, any other champion, Habib, he's, he'll be like, no, I think that I can you know, give me my own show. You know, I think I can do it, and especially with a dance partner like Nate, they can carry it. So I'm with you there. Uh, but, but, you know, maybe Masvidal being the you know, the street rules kind of guy that he is, like prison rules, like, you know, he lost to Usman. So maybe he would say, like, I lost to the guy. He can he can be above me for this time only. I don't know. 
Uh, it's not impossible. But then I think about, he saw the graphic, Usman's interviews, they only did like 200k, um, Masvidal's hitting like 1 million, and it's like, yeah, yeah that he... It's still dumb. Yeah. It, it, it would be dumb of the UFC, it would be dumb, Nate Diaz wouldn't do it. So so if I'm Masvidal and Diaz, I'd just have like a man-to-man conversation with, with Dana White and say like, seriously bro, like you're going to put us a co-main, do you want to make money or do you want to make money? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, mind you, I think that... I'm thinking about it from traditional rules. It would be the end of the year event, right? I don't, you know, they, COVID is not going to clear by December. They're no. not going to have fans back and they're not going to be going around the world in December. I just, I, I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm sorry. So traditionally, you want to stack the end of the year card. Because it's uncertain times in a crazy year, they may feel like, hey, Two belts, Amanda and Kamaru is enough. Let's just kick off January, Nate and Jorge. And that's just easier for everybody in negotiating. I think, in my heart, I feel like that's what's most likely going to happen. They're going to do a show in January and just carry it. Now that you know Jorge can carry a show, pretty. I don't want to say by himself, but, you know, it's a lot easier. It's even easier than the first BMF belt, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you're right. January just makes sense. You get you can separate the the stars and probably like if you put Masvidal and Diaz on the Usman Burns card, Comain, Main, whatever, it would make you know, let's just say a million buys, right? Let's just say. Mm-hmm. But if you separated them, you would probably still get a million. On, in January, plus whatever, 200000 for Usman and Burns on, on their night in December. So, more money, spread the wealth. Uh, I'm completely with you. Now, the one thing I will say that I find interesting, I really did expect uh, Colby Covington to possibly be in play for Jorge. And, um, look, I know what he said and all that. That money, that sorry, that fight sells. They make a ton of money. Jorge versus Colby. I don't, you know, you put them, put it this way. They can make the press conference like a $5 pay-per-view and they'd probably still do good numbers. I'm not saying people wouldn't try to, you know, uh, the wrong way to watch their UFC content, but they could still make a ton of money knowing you were going to lock them in a room for like a face-to-face kind of uh, interview situation. I think that that, the fact that he's, is completely not even considering that. Wait to see what happens with Woodley. Um, I think says a lot about uh, where Jorge feels he's at in his career. I think the fact that you're getting Nate to agree to it and Jorge is coming off a loss says a lot. So, look, I mean, Nate Diaz, as infrequently as he fights, he's just a big draw. The fact that, you know, he's technically coming off two losses in how many years, he's still a big draw. And, you know, I think the fact that they're the fact that they're coming together this way, I feel like just says that everyone knows they can make money fighting each other overtaking one of these different kind of fights. So, yeah, did I think he'd fight Colby or maybe Leon Edwards for Jorge? I really did. I really thought this like, hey, just you want the fight that makes you look like a killer to get back to the belt. The Nate Diaz fight, I don't think does that as much. But I'll say this, and I said this on Twitter. 
when you have a star like Jorge Masvidal, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of like Connor. You get him a W, he looks good. He's in the conversation for a title fight, no matter if it was Nate, no matter if it get, it's against a, you know, a number six through ten guy. It just works. So if I'm Jorge, I get it. You take probably an easier stylistic fight that sells good pay-per-view. Uh, everybody wins, and it's just business. It is just business. I would have rather seen Masvidal fight Covington for some of the reasons you're mentioning, like the, the lead-up, the hype, the press conferences, all that. Although I have a feeling Masvidal would just be almost like completely silent because he would probably say, like, this guy's an idiot. I'm not going to waste my breath. So it could be uh, it could end up being a dud. However, not the fight, just the lead-up. Uh, I'd rather see that fight over the Diaz fight. That fight is, well... I mean, to me, Mazadal beat him, was beating him soundly, but we do know what, what Nate Diaz can do in those rounds four and five. And so, you know, it would be fun to see how that plays out a second time. But uh, Leon Edwards, like, not even on my radar to, to want to match up with Mazadal. So, so it would either have been Colby or, or out of the, you know, out of left field, Nate Diaz. I mean, anything can happen between now and December and January, but, um, I will say this, if you're Leon Edwards, Wonderboy Thompson, man, yeah, I get it, you eight-fight win streak, beat a former champ, you're just in the wrong part of the world, and we just can't seem to get you here for the big fight, and that's very unfortunate, but um, I always felt like it was going to be either Colby or, uh, I didn't have Nate as high, but I felt like Colby Covington was the fight, or maybe even Tyron if he had beaten Colby, or if he beats Colby. Um, and now, ironically, Jorge is training with Tyron, so that just makes the whole thing even more convoluted. So, I don't know. But uh, I will just say, I really thought that they were looking to do Jorge Colby, maybe tough. That would have been good. Wow. Tough? Ooh. That would have been good TV. Now, hey, you could get people on board if you put them as the coaches. Easily. On the island. On the island. On the island. Nah, Miami Beach. Like, yeah. You know. And they'd like do it a little like, you know, half Jersey Shore, half Ultimate Fighter, you know? Like, you know, you're, you're supposed to train, but you get out every once in a while, something like that. Obviously, they can't do that because of COVID, but I'm trying to paint you a fantasy that well, you'd like Florida. to watch. Well, it's Florida. I don't know what you can get away with out there right now. I asked Dana in the last month, and I'm like, you know, do you feel like it'll be ironic that, you know... These guys are going to be locked in a house. They can't go anywhere. Do you think that's going to feel different for them? And Dana was like, oh, no, you go from being locked in your house to being locked in our house. It's the same thing. <laughs> so, And it's worse. <laughs> you don't have your creature comforts. Right. This is true. Um, Natalie, the welterweight title is on the line December 12th. They also kind of confirmed that that's the date for Nunez versus Anderson. Uh, Gilbert Burns going to be taking on Kamaru Usman. Um, this one, I think a lot of people figured it would happen. Once again, I get it if you're Leon Edwards. It's just how the cards have been dealt in 2020. I, I will say this. I, I see him as the most unlucky fighter of the pandemic because his fights have been canceled, because he's have, struggling to get out of the country. I will say that for Leon. But uh, I also think that at this point, the UFC is just like, look, we're trying to just get this 
domino out of the way and we'll figure the rest out later. Uh, the fight with Kamaru and Gilbert still has all the appeal that it did in July. Former teammates, Gilbert is kind of, you know, he's moved up to welterweight. He's looking good. He's beaten some good guys. This is an interesting fight. It is not a walkthrough by any chance for Kamaru, but, you know, now Kamaru's man, he's on a quite a run that the upset feels even bigger than ever before if you're Gilbert Burns. So that's the hook to me at this one. Yeah, it's it's still an interesting fight for me. And more so now after seeing um, Burns, well, after having like gotten myself excited about the Usman Burns fight and then it you know got taken away. So now I'm like, okay, well, yeah, actually I do want to see it. So, so I'm glad that they rebooked it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always, I can't think of when two fighters who have known each other, have a close relationship, have had like a, a dud of a fight. And these guys, especially Burns, like, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to take his foot off the gas pedal. Like he's riding that streak and he's going to, he's going to take it. So I'm really curious to see if this is like a blitz or if it, it turns into a five round, you know, decision fight. I think that it's going to be very interesting because I almost feel like they're so uh, skill wise, the best Gilbert and the best Kamaru have a fun fight every time, man. I will say that. I think that is just one of those matchups stylistically, but I don't know. Uh, Kamaru's looking really good lately. It's going to take a big effort, no matter who you are in the division. So that's where I'm at with this one. Uh, Leon Edwards, who does he get <laughs> matched up with? He really needs a fight. <laughs> An airplane to get him to the United States? I don't know. Oh, that's um, evil. Stephen Thompson, like you mentioned it, but you know, actually, I was thinking when when Montreal was. When they asked him who he wanted next, he was like, I'd like to get my Stephen Thompson fight back. And he that's the only name he mentioned. So, you know, I'm actually surprised that they're going, well, not surprised. There's That's the money fight, Nate Diaz, and it, it lines up with the persona that Jorge Masvidal has created. But uh, I would rather see Thompson fight Masvidal than Thompson fight Leon Edwards. Um, I don't know why I don't have any love for Leon Edwards. I'm kind of like shooting down all his opportunities here. You know, to me, it's you're right. He does need just a fight, a flight. I think it's just the way they've played out, man. Just the timing of everything. I don't know how else to say it. He's just been so unlucky with this. And it's not fair to him, man. Because I do think that any other time, that fight would have happened already. And look, I get it. You know, he's not out there talking a big game. He's not exactly throwing, you know somersault flying knees and all that other stuff i get it but the numbers are what they are and i think that um you know he's still just such a dangerous fight in that welterweight division uh i'll say it again though wonder boy let's just let's just make stuff happen guys i want to see it <sighs> that was a lot of welterweight action to talk about okay. i'm not gonna lie it got a little emotional there Hold on, hold on. Before before we leave the card, if you if you're if you're willing, maybe you already talked about it uh, while I was out. But Nunez Anderson, like I know there's nobody in the division, but I mean, <laughs> come on. You what know was what? your reaction when you saw this? 
I mean, I thought it made sense. I felt like... Well, yeah, it makes sense because there's nobody else. <laughs> like, well, well, but here's the thing. Uh, Aldana isn't there yet. And the fact that Aldana isn't fighting Holly until uh, December... Sorry, October. Uh, I said this without rehashing the whole segment. From the beginning, Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer were signed to fight Cyborg. They weren't there to build a division. I'm sorry. They're great fighters. I like them both. I love watching them both. I think they're great personalities. I love Megan Anderson's uh, breakdowns. They both fight great. They were brought in to be fed to Cyborg. That's yeah. why there were only two of them. This was always a short-term plan. When Amanda beat Cyborg, she took over the plan. But I think the fact that every single featherweight you've ever had either went to Bantamweight or is a Bantamweight who moved up for one night. I think that says <laughs> everything you need to know about the future of featherweight when you consider Aldana or Megan. I think that, and my, mind you, this is the last fight of Megan's UFC contract. If okay. she wins, sorry, if Amanda wins, she could just be, I proved everything I need to prove at featherweight. And guess what? So by the end of Saturday night, Featherweight is done. Hey, like the second Megan Anderson leaves the press conference, that's it for the featherweight division. There's no Dana, there's no paperwork, there's no loose ends. Amanda gets to hold the belt forever. She's defended it twice. There's nothing more to prove. So yeah, very bluntly, I'm this is how I feel. I feel like Megan Anderson. Look, Megan Anderson, you do you. Cause I, I think even if Megan wins, they might do the rematch or UFC might just cut your cut their losses and say, you know what, Megan, thank you. You get a UFC belt to ride off to the sunset with maybe Bellator or PFL. But after Nunez beat Felicia Spencer, Dana White was like, we're gonna build a division. I just he's like, I just told the guys, let's build the division. And then one of the media re <laughs> reporters was like, oh, she says she might retire after her baby's born. So do you think that it really is just? If Nunes sticks around, we, we, we build it out. If not, goodbye? I don't think she sticks around. She has said okay. her best weight class is Bantamweight. I okay. think that um, Megan Anderson's a good matchup for her. If Megan Anderson, we haven't seen her really show it, but if she hasn't closed up the holes in her grappling, we all know that's a tough fight. And so, look, Megan Anderson's probably the best physical specimen outside of Chris and Amanda. At featherweight in the world right now, Julia Bud's there too, but Julia Bud for sure. Yeah, I, I really do think that um, you know, Amanda Nunes is going in to kill the featherweight division. And you know wow. what? Hey, think about it. If she beats Megan Anderson, if Megan Anderson couldn't do it, Felicia couldn't do it, Valentina couldn't do it. Um, it it's a, a girl version, <laughs> David versus Goliath. If you're going to tell me Aspen Ladd or Irene Aldana is going to do it. Or, or Danielle Wolf if she gets that contract. I, I mean, mean uh, on, in her professional debut on Contender Series. Yeah. Natalie, yeah. I know you've been at the game for a minute, but come <laughs> on, man. No, I'm just trying to think of like, who's a, who's a, you know, a, a you know, strong woman that's, that's, that's out there. I'll tell you this. Class. They're not currently available. Let's put it that way. They're um, they're already in a relationship. Their Facebook status says they can't be DMing UFC. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
yeah. So so Megan Anderson, like, when did she fight Holly Holm? Because Holly Holm took her down, like, at will. About two years and, ago. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully there's improvement there because Mananunas just ragdoll her if Holly Holm had no problems. Um, and then, of course, on the feet, you know, Megan Anderson has the reach, but I don't think she's fast enough to to get there before Nunes does, or to get out of to get in, or to get out of the way before Nunes does. Anyway, I derailed us. No, it's okay. This is why we brought you back. Um, before we move on, Brock Lesnar, WWE free agent. People saying could he fight UFC? Could he fight Bellator? Everyone's saying the right things in my heart. That man does not fight MMA again. What about you? Dude, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, no. Wouldn't you, like, wouldn't it be hilarious if Brock Lesnar goes back to UFC moments after Daniel Cormier retires and and does what DC wanted, which was to fight, you know, the heavyweight champion. Like, DC was just waiting for Brock. That's what took, that's what kept him in there for so long is he was waiting to see if that fight was going to come around. It didn't. Then he fought Stipe, lost the bell, had to stick around even longer. Wouldn't it really just just sting if Brock Lesnar came back to the UFC and fought either Stipe or John Jones at heavyweight? Um, but, yeah, it's doubtful. It's doubtful, but, you know, why, why not? If the UFC has some cash to spare, that's a huge name. It's still a huge name, still brings in big numbers ratings-wise. Uh, you don't get the gate, but there won't be a gate for a long time. Probably not for another year. And um, yeah, I just think that would be pretty, pretty, pretty funny. But what are the chances that he just straight up retires? What do you think? Like period from, from you know. So I read this that this isn't the first time this has happened for Brock. And pretty much what's happened before is that when he's ready or WWE needs him, they tend to come to the table and they tend to work well with each other and make a deal happen. But it's not unheard of for his deal to expire and they're just, you know, not, I don't even want to call it an impasse. They're just at a point where they want to make some choices. So um, when I look at it, uh, the UFC thing, I will say this, and you could see it very clearly when Brock was slimming down, when you thought he was going to fight Cormier. The USADA aspect is probably <laughs> less appealing today than it even was back then. Um, in terms of Bellator, no gate, no pay-per-view revenue to speak of. Um, very bluntly, no matter any fight, and I will say this, it would happen also with the... Uh, um, a possible fate or fight as much as that hurts me to say bellator on pay-per-view has just never worked that's okay it's you know not every ufc pay-per-view tends to knock it out of the park right yeah um so i don't see bellator for one night only being able to make it happen and you know all the ways you could cut the pie paramount network the zone I just don't see it happening. Um, I also want to take into account Brock Lesnar, you know, he kind of comes in as exhibition. He has not been working his MMA diligently and becoming a better at jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and everything yeah. else for the last two years or so. He's not. I, I'll put some money. He probably gets some good workouts in, but is he in there doing boxing practice? No. 
Yeah, I'll say that. So, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're Brock, even if you don't get back with WWE, AEW probably can afford a good contract for him, a good deal for him in the short term. I would see that, but I find it just very, very unlikely we'll see Brock Lesnar again. What about BKFC? No. <laughs> I thought Can you imagine? They... Uh, you know, main and co-main, Brock Lesnar, Paige Van Zandt. That poster. Come on now. I'll tell you what. If I'm Brock and they honestly were to try that, I'd be like, hey, I heard you offered Tyson $20 million. I need to see that number on the paperwork before we even continue this conversation. Dude, Brock Lesnar is not Mike Tyson level, but maybe $10 million. You asked, I answered. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that he... Okay, do you think he is? Like, do you think, like... I don't, I don't think the world knows Brock Lesnar the way the world knows Mike Tyson, but maybe I'm underestimating wrestling, professional wrestling. Oh, d- don't ever underestimate professional wrestling. I have seen that power work firsthand. They, you would be surprised the number of people who watch it day in, day out. Honest to goodness. And, and once you have them, you have them. Once you have that demographic and fan base, they show up for you. Brock can command some money in BKFC. Also, he's younger. He can still fight. Mike Tyson, you know... Not everybody's comfortable with him getting back in there to fight Roy Jones. So that's what I'll that's all I'll say about Okay. Rock. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um uh, anyway, yeah, that's where we're at. Natalie, we've reached that time. It is another UFC fight night this Saturday. Alistair Overeem versus Augusto Sakai. How do you see this one going down? Well, Sakai's, you know, younger, stronger, all the things that that don't necessarily matter as much in heavyweight division. But I still think he's uh, he's going to have the edge unless he lets Overeem really keep distance. Because uh, Overeem can, we've seen it lately, he can really stay on the outside and, you know, do what he has to do to, to, to point win. And, uh, you know, unfortunately he had... He he put you know let his guard down at the last second with Rosenstrike, but but generally that's sort of working for him. So um, I expect that to be Alistair Overeem's game plan again. But I think Sakai can just can just get in there and bomb him, and that'll be it. So that's that's my prediction actually. Um, Sakai wins, but uh, by knockout. But um, I'm gonna go third round. I think round three. It's gonna take a second. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like Overeem is kind of hitting that Andre Arlovsky kind of resurgence. I, I, I get it. He's been finished bad a few times, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the fights he's won since then. You take that uh, Rosenstrike knockout away, you take 10 seconds off of that. That was a nearly 25-minute victory for Overeem. Yeah. Um, I actually like where he's at right now i think he's in a good groove picks his spots finds his timing somehow he gets caught every fight and even win or lose and i think that's dangerous in the heavyweight division. it's dangerous to anybody but that worries me a little bit but i will say when i look at um 
at Sakai. Uh, he uses a few more weapons. I think he looks to push forward, work his kicks a little more, just uh, throw him out there, really just make you aware of it. I think that Overeem, good defense, picks his spots to surge forward, similar to the way he did against Wal Harris. I think that gets the job done. I think that um, Sakai is a little bit slower version of Walt, and I mm. think that that's going to play a factor, is that Overeem, I think that he can find his openings to get the job done. And okay. I actually see him doing this, getting it in the second round, personally. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think like that's it. Sakai, I, I think a big part of his game is being able to get that physicality working against Overeem. And I just don't think that that's going to work against a guy with his IQ. Just the, the way Overeem's fighting right now, I just don't see it happening. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's careful. He's cautious. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a true veteran with legit experience. And that's how he fights. Oh, we're split. It's like we're not on the same wavelength after the, the absence. <laughs> it's no, going to take um, a while for us to... <laughs> to unite on our picks, I think. It will. But that's okay. But yeah, all right. So guys, we are split. Natalie is going with Augusto Sakai. I'm going to go with the Demolition Man, Alistair Overeem, for the win. We will find out who has bragging rights on next week's episode. Next week. Natalie, I'll say this. Besides the title fight at the end of the month, I like this coming main event more than any other, Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. I think that just the way they fight, where they're at in their careers, high stakes, good action, good fight on paper. I just like that main event. What about you? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely high stakes and definitely good action on paper. You nailed it. And I'm, I'm just happy to see Tiago Santos back. I can't wait to watch him fight, observe how he, he performs, you know everything back in order or are we a little rusty what's the deal because he's he's terrifying and i want to see that man back how did we get to september already dude i mean literally this started in february and like the lockdown was like march early march it's september i don't know i can't believe it like i i can't even like yeah. just that but again, like, I'm no, just gonna I... keep saying it. God bless UFC because they're helping the time, the time, the time pass. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I want to close it out. You know what? Um, we did like a whole thing for Kobe in January. I'd be remiss. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, Wakanda mm-hmm. Forever. I loved. Uh, I lo- I remember him on Lincoln Heights. Like, and if you guys wow. don't remember that show, like. It, put it this way, you couldn't even watch it on DVR. It was before that time, right? Um, easily years before 42 and all that other stuff. Um, loved 42. I've yet to meet the person who can say to my face they hated Black Panther. Um, I think the biggest thing I could say is, you know, been around kids and legit, um, like, I would see them and it's like Wakanda forever and, like, they'll do the claws and all that at mind you of every background and it's like you know what no that that really was just out of the blue and a loss so i just want to say that on our show we did all that for kobe we've given that to a lot i want to take the moment to say miss you chadwick rest in peace man 
Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a shock to the world and um, seems like a genuinely good human being that um, kept something that most people would have shared publicly, kept it to himself and had a private battle and sort of, you know, did it his way and um, walked off into the sunset gracefully. And um, yeah, Wakanda forever, man. I, I, uh, I feel you there. Yep. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We are back on our schedule. You guys take care now and enjoy the fights. <laughs>